This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Good morning, good morning, Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man cover. Cover by means of nobody can find us, right? <laughs> That's a good way to be. That's a good way to be. We got wonderful Wednesday with Ted Yoho here. And uh, Glad to be are, here. He's wonderful. He is wonderful. He's always on the ball and he's uh, a great addition to our forum, which we provide for you for discussion and thought and debate about any subject that you want to take up. And we allow, right? Oh, we're kidding you. We've been censored by the best. I guess, and we and you and you keep coming back. You like the old keep time. Coming back. Back. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Well, we're in the Mellon Law Studio. They're a great supporter of ours. Uh, sure Fifty years of experience, all kinds of law service, and they're the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. And we're protected twenty four seven, three sixty five by crime prevention. Wonderful people, John Pastore, Randy Elrad. Yep, Elrad, John Pastore. Patronize, always use home, local, security. It's the best, wouldn't you say? And, of course, if you are the type who has hair, don't look at Ted nor me. Uh, go to Style Cuts and get your hair cut. Or as my father used to say, get your ears set out or get yourself policed up. And uh, the white walls. <laughs> yeah, get some white walls. So uh, we're here on a wonderful Wednesday uh, with uh, Ted, who uh, – was a representative to Congress for eight years and is um, really can't quite let it go, rightfully so, for it. Because if we don't stay involved, why well, we've got the way I best heard it said is the void will be filled. Somebody will fill it. If sure. you don't fill up, somebody will, right, Ted? Somebody will fill it. Yeah, it's a rule of nature. Oh, nature abhors a vacuum. And if we're not there, if we're not leading, if we're not doing the right things, something else will fill that void. Uh, that's and that's so, so true, Mike. It's just so true, Mike. That's a, an axiom that you can bank on. And we survived the storm yesterday. We hope you did as well. We had quite a bit of rain here at the uh, compound, uh, but we didn't have a lot of wind. That was too destructive. Of course, we've done a lot of work on the property, picking up limbs that we thought were tenuous and might provide a um, you know, problem for us. So we had already addressed that pretty much. As Ted knows, with animals, you're always afraid they'll be under a tree. When right. Rice, and that is a bad situation. But we've dodged that so far. Well, Ted, um, I got a pile of stuff here to talk about. But, Go ahead. Uh, well, I am so... I'm trying to be diplomatic and learn from you about um, strategic. What did you call it a moment ago? The State strategic, Department wants strategic ambiguity. 
strategic ambiguity. <laughs> we were just talking about an essay that, or, or a uh, column that Ted has written. We may get into it with his permission. Uh, if not, we'll save it for another day. Feel free to post it. Yeah, or post it. He's uh, well. We want to. We'll post it after you make a couple of corrections you wanted to make. Sure. Uh, little typos and things, but uh, or I can make them if you want me to do the liberal thing. But I don't want to touch it. You know, it's no, good. you can. Feel free to. So anyway, it out, better put your name on it. You know, no, 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 no. We're 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 looking we're looking at China, and we're looking, basically we're looking at the lack of leadership, and Ted. I've never seen such domestic confusion in leadership as we're seeing right now. Um, it's just unbelievable. It's unconscionable. We have never been here in, in my lifetime. I'll be 69 in April. Uh, you've got a few advanced years upon me. but um, Golden know, years. <laughs> yeah. You know, just, I mean, you can look at so many things, the leadership, the direction of the nation, What what is our purpose, what, where are we going, what is – where what's our game plan for the next 25, 10, 15 years? Heck, Congress doesn't know what they're going to do to fund the government. And uh, we've got all these talking heads in Congress, the politicians that are all, all out there getting sound bites, thinking they're doing something and they're not. And it reminds me, I think we talked about this last week when Carly Fiorina and Hillary Clinton were debating and Hillary talked and bragged about how she flew a million miles and Fiorina said, um, being active does not equate to being productive. Yeah. And so we've got all these politicians running around, and uh, I saw a local representative in your area talking about Lloyd Austin and how he should be impeached, and and uh, there was something else they went into. But they're they're not paying attention to the to the whole big gaping hole in the deck or the hull of the ship. And you know we talked about China, our debt, our borders. And uh, it, it's one thing to talk about them. It's different to act on them. And that's what I saw in Washington is there is a, a, a willingness or willingness not to act. There's, there's a limit. People will not act. They'll talk about things, but the action portion, they run away from because then they get graded and they might be controversial. And then they have to worry about the next election. And, you know, when we talked about China and our debt, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with BRICS, the Brazil, Russia, Iran, China, alternative financing in the global markets to get away from the U.S. dollar. I heard yesterday that uh, Saudi Arabia, a lot of the um, uh, uh, Middle East countries have switched to that, to where we're over that, that organization, BRICS, is accounting for 43% of the monies that are in trade around the globe. And what we're seeing is U.S. dollar is going down. The BRICS um, um, accumulation of trade and people investing in it is going up. And when that when we cross that threshold where we're less than 50%, you've got to worry about a collapse of the economy. And uh, um, all the money people that I talk to say it's coming. And I think we, we talked about that before. When we were talking about the uh, the accumulation of uh, the red the red counties in the in the country versus the blue counties, and that they see a fomenting civil war, and God help us if we ever get to that point, and I hope we don't. 
but it, it falls back. And the reason that we're here is because of a lack of leadership and a lack of vision of where this country should, should have been on course uh, for the last 20 years. And nobody's painted that picture. Uh, Trump, you know, he came out with let's make America great again. And, um, you know, I think that that was the closest thing we've had of getting us back on track. But we weren't talking about we're going to increase our education. We're going to improve our education. We're going to lead education in the world. We're going to be back on the the threshold of science and technology and space exploration. Um, You know, and and I don't want to say military uh, armament, but technology and military. You know, we don't have a defense against China's hypersonic weapons. And, uh, you know, it's put us in a very bad place as a nation. And then you have the wokeism going on in the, in the country where they're telling people that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man and that they can have babies. And it's, no, you can't, you know, you get away from the truth. And when you get away from the truth, you know, you get confusion. And, the, and I think one of the biggest things you and I have talked about is a lack of faith and trust in government. You know, you look at Anthony Fauci, you look at the CDC, you look at COVID's going to kill everybody if you don't wear a mask and mandates. And so all this garbage comes out and it, 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 it just weighs on people and they get, I, I, they get worn down and then you become complacent. And we also know that history repeats itself. And if you look at what happened to, to what was the cause of World War II, it was complacency. They just, they just kind of gave up. The people gave up. And, uh, and so we've got to get the right people elected. And again, it's getting the education through programs like yours, Gordon. Uh, I commend you. You sent me your numbers and um, pretty impressive. I was kind of amazed because we don't advertise much. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, no raps on buses, no billboards. It's word of mouth. And uh, that's encouraging that, you know, the notes and the bottles do get off the island and yeah. takes them elsewhere because um, uh, the numbers only can have been spread by people talking about, hey, you need to listen to this show. And, yeah. and um, so that, that that was very surprising um, to me. I, uh, I I wish I could work more at selling people on advertising on the show, but I've got my hands full just, you know, researching every day what's going on. Um, sure. One of the things I wanted to ask you about that is um, bewildering evidently, even to the Democrats who are reluctant to talk about it, is the, I, I'm going to ask you if you have ever heard a thing like this. Where was the Secretary of Defense? For days, right? Yeah. The chief of staff. Well, can we, what? What is? Have you heard of anything like this? Never have. Never have. And it is a dereliction of duty. And I think it is right to impeach the guy, but that shouldn't be the topic of the day. I mean, that should be just a procedural thing. Hey, it should be a review. You didn't let anybody know that you're having prostate procedures, and he was at Walter Reed. The way I understood it. But to t- not tell your second in command and clear it with the White House, uh, the uh, um, the commander in chief, whatever you want to call that guy up there. But it should be a chain of command. Hey, I've got a procedure I've got to get in. If something went wrong and I died, 
this guy's in charge and they should have alerted that guy and had all that done ahead of time. But again, it comes down to leadership and the lack of respect for leadership for Lloyd Austin to do that. Um, you know, it's unconscionable and he shouldn't be there. Uh, you know, if, if he cares that less about this country, um, you know, we don't need him there. He's not the right person for that job. I've met him. He's a nice guy, but uh, I think it's time for him to, you know, move on. Let somebody else there. And see, think of the projection this does to China, Russia, and all that, that there is, there is no respect for the leadership of the country. And so you see all these people kind of doing their same, whatever they want to do in it. It infiltrates into the court systems, into the police systems, into the IRS, and, and you get a breakdown of these institutions. And that's why I say there's been so much loss and erosion of trust in our government. I've never seen it this, this bad before. And the only thing that's going to turn us around is to shake it up to the point where you get strong people that will go into Washington and say, you know, enough is enough of this. You know, we talked about Bill Johnson, who was from Ohio, who'd been there for a long time. And he was just a leadership on whatever leadership told him to do. He did. And he got a chairmanship and he thought he was important. And I've had other people that were chairmanships. And I asked one lady who was head of the uh, education department or um, uh, I forget the name of health and education. I asked her, well, you've been here a long time. Are you looking at retiring? She goes, oh, my God, no, I can't do that. Who could replace me and do what I do? <laughs> I'm like, it's time for you to go if you think you're irreplaceable. Oh, good. Uh, it, there's so many people up there like that. And, you know, they worry about their position, their status. And, you know, they'll talk about the debt and how terrible it is, but then they'll blame the Freedom Caucus or – you know, it's just nonsense. And we need people that are serious up there. This is the agenda. This is what we're going to do. Let's all work together. And that comes from leadership at the Speaker of the House. But it also comes from, you know, the Senate and that. And they're not on the same page. Talking about double standards, too. I'm just looking at an article here in the journal called The Contempt of Hunter Biden. And uh, it earmarks some things which... I think occurred uh, while you were there. Just to refresh you and to get your comments, uh, Eric Holder refused to prosecute Lois Lerner. Yep, I remember which that. Which held well. the House in contempt in 2014. Huh? Yeah. I think she's still getting a check. I think she is. Uh, she got removed from that position, whether she did it voluntarily, but she's getting a retirement check. Um, you know, we had that bill called the Stop Act that would prevent people from, um, uh, no, it was trust the Trust Act, Trust Restored to the U.S. Taxpayers, that if you were convicted of a felony or a crime while serving as somebody in government, Congress, Senate, administration, the agencies, if you cr- committed a felony and got convicted, that you would lose that portion of the retirement that comes from matching funds from the government. So if I put in a hundred dollars and the government matches it by say three or 5%, that's taxpayers money funding my retirement. I should get my money back that I put in there. But I think that would strip you of the money that was entrusted to you by being a loyal servant 
to your position into the country. And so going back to Lois Lerner, I guess she's still getting a check. Then the article cites Nancy Pelosi, when the Democrats controlled the House and uh, in the first two years of the Biden administration, um, they cited two former Trump officials, Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro, Navarro, for contempt. Yeah. Right. And uh, the House voted to hold him in contempt. And Biden sure just prosecuted him and got, got convictions. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it'll destroy them uh, financially. As, um, God, who else? I'm Mark Meadows is, I mean, he's going to be in a financial dire. You know, it'll be interesting how he turns out uh, if he goes against Trump. Yeah, well, it's a double standard, going back to what you were saying. Because the article points out that Republicans held Lois Lerner in contempt, but justice never prosecuted. Sure. Um, this is so clear. This is so clear. And the people know this. This all has something to do with the frustration displayed at so-called January 6th, you know? Yeah. Come on. Um, well, you know, I, I give you, we've talked about Jim Jordan and Bill Koskinen, the chairman of the IRS or the head of the agency. They did, through his uh, oversight committee, they did enough investigation to say he's got impeachable offenses. We put in the resolution. Um, Paul Ryan bargained with Jim uh, to get uh, to remove that so that we wouldn't make a spectacle out of it. So the trade-off was Jim was going to do more investigation on the same thing he's already investigated. This is where we're wrong, the Republicans. Um, you've got the information, follow through with it. The Democrats do it. And that, a lot of times the stuff they go after is false. But they'll, they'll build a narrative. You know, it's like Russian collusion. They go after that. They create the narrative. They, they fund the, all the false information, and they follow through with it. And, of course, it got Trump impeached twice on false allegations. And we have hard evidence that Koskinen should have been impeached. But Jim doesn't go through with that. And I said that to Jim. We had that same thing with Trey Gowdy on uh, Eric Holder arresting him for being in contempt. And if he came on the house floor, Congress could have had him arrested. We can't arrest him, but we could have had him arrested. And Trey said, well, just forget it. We can't do that. And um, later on, he came back and apologized. He says, you know what? We could have had him arrested. And it sends a signal that you're done playing these games um, because the Democrats don't take the Republicans serious. Wonderful Wednesday with Ted Yoho. If you have any questions, uh, put them in the chat line here. We'll pass them along. Any observations, questions uh, that you want us to discuss? We're discussing the lack of leadership, which is on the list of concerns Ted and I have had, oh, God, I think for most of this year. Um, debt is on there. Uh, leadership void is there. Um, you know, the borders are there. You know, I guess we can talk a little bit about the border. I guess that nothing's going to be done about immigration, Ted. Well, you know, we can talk about the borders. We can talk about our debt. We have for the last, hell, when I went into Congress, it was borders. It was our debt. That was 2010 when I decided to run. I got elected in 2012, sworn in in 2013. And so that's been 12 years ago. 
that I was talking about it. And I mean, I was kind of a thorn in everybody's side up there because we pushed so hard on this. But you're pushing against these people. Oh, no, the election's coming. We can't do that. We have reforms to the Social Security uh, Disability Program. And they were good reforms. But I couldn't get Republicans to sign on to it because they said, well, Ted, an election's coming up. And if we do this, my opponent's going to say, look, at he's going after your Social Security uh, benefits. So it's got nothing to do with the benefits. It's got to do with the longevity of the program. And so that's what you run into. And that stems from electing people that are politicians that are more worried about their next election than electing statesmen that don't give a, don't give a darn about their next election. It's like, damn the torpedoes. We're going to do what's right. And uh, we don't have enough people up there like that. And you can have a lot of type A personalities together like that and generally nothing gets done because my i'm smarter than you i'm i'm stronger than you and all that but if it's the right program you're going to have all these people working in the same same direction if it's the right policy if it's the border security that shouldn't even be an issue i mean that's a um um that that's just a common sense thing in fact i just signed up the uh with former members of congress as a group um, that gets former members of Congress together and they have a campus, a Congress to campus program to where we go around and we'll be down at uh, university of central Florida for two days in April. And they pair you up with a Democrat and they want to talk about our debt. They want to talk about immigration. And I look forward to it because, you know, I'm not going to hold back. You know, the Democrats are for this. And, you know, if you look at the modern Democrat, they're a communist or Marxist at best. And, um, you know, they want a different America. They don't like the America we have. And uh, it'll be a it'll be a heated exchange. And I mean, I may not get invited back, but that's OK. The term we used a moment ago, which is still um, <laughs> strategic. It wasn't again. Um, strategic ambiguity. Strategic ambiguity. Um, it's different from what I was thinking, strategic equivocation. Equivocation yeah, is where you can't make up your own mind. Ambiguity is where you've made it up, but you're not letting anybody know it. <laughs> is that fair? That's that. Yeah. yeah. That's and pretty much seemed- what it is. And that came out of the Henry Kissinger uh, era with Nixon. Um, and that's what they, um, um, they used to say where we stood with Taiwan and China. You know, China came up with the, the idea of, one country, two systems. You know, Taiwan is part of China, but we got two systems. They have theirs and we have ours. And then when Reagan got in office, they really used strategic ambiguity because it was non-committal. But if you do something, it might happen, but we're not going to commit to it. You know, versus Obama drawing the red line if uh, um, Bashir Assad use chemical weapons in Syria, that was a red line we're going to attack. And of course, Assad used that, and we did nothing. And uh, they saw we were a paper tiger. And, um, you know, and we've been eroding ever since. And I take a lot of this back to Obama. It was happening before then, but he put it on steroids and really, really made it um, where it weakened America's leadership. Um, in the world. And we've been going downhill ever since. Um, 
you know, you've heard me talk about General Flynn when he was in there, and I asked him about one of Obama's policies with Iran. And I said, you know, this is either out of um, ignorance, um, incompetence, or by design. He didn't miss a lick. He says, it's by design. And um, I said, well, why would he do that? Because this policy is weakening America. He goes, you need to ask him. And we've been going downhill ever since. Of course, Biden, nobody in their right mind would have an open border like that, thinking this is good for America. Um, Carolyn just read me an article, my wife, of uh, almost 49 years in February. Um, Yesterday, last night, that they're moving immigrants in New York into schools for housing, displacing the students, U.S. taxpayers' students. They're displacing them so the immigrants can live in the schools. Now, how, how asinine is that? Um, this is where America just needs to wake up and say, throw these people out that are running this country. Or they're not running it. They're, they're ruining this country. Throw them out and elect new people. Elect somebody that has no experience, but they have, they have the right principles or they're saying the right thing. And if they're not doing it, throw them out in two years. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't know. I just, I get, I get really frustrated with this. And I know you do. And I know the American people do, but until there's action, this is going to continue. And that's why, you know, one of my big things I wanted to push was a, a nationwide movement that we don't pay our taxes April 15th to the federal government. We put them in escrow and we starve the beast until they can't arrest us all. They can't confiscate everybody's property. If we did it in mass or we all showed up at the border says, you ain't coming in. You know, me and another person stopped 25 people coming in from Cuba out in, out in the ocean right off a of marathon. And I got criticized for it. I said, well, these people wanted freedom. Well, you know, they can apply to come to this country legally. You're not coming into this country. And we stopped them. We stayed back. We filed the prop on their boat by throwing a rope in it. And it tied up their, their prop. And I had the uh, Coast Guard come out. And uh, this was probably six years ago. And uh, I called the Coast Guard, didn't use my title. I was just a concerned citizen. And they said, well, we'll we'll get somebody out there. Well, 45 minutes later, they're not there. I called again. They said, well, you know, we had a problem getting the boat started. I'm like, this night. (laughs) And I called the third time and they go, who is this? And by then I was kind of pissed off because these people were within a mile and a half of the shore. And I said, this is U.S. Congressman Ted Yoho from Florida's 3rd Congressional District. You guys need to get out here. Yes, sir, we're on our way. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I hate to use the title, but it's like, come on, I got 25 people that want to come into this country. And I'm looking at this boat, and I've got pictures. I could show you the picture. In fact, I ought to send you the picture. Um, And you tell me how many are Cubans. To me, they look very, probably half of them look Middle Eastern, Syrian. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Obama and, been doing that a long time. Yeah. And, that and so time. that's what we need to do. We need to get people that are willing to go down there and just say, you're not coming in. The Minutemen were like that back in the uh, early 2000s. Um, Obama's been crushing the, the borders. Hey, would go after you. Yeah, Obama's been crushing the borders with basically males, basically in their early 20s, Muslim, yeah, in a variety of ways. You know, we covered it over here in Palatka, where you are, in yeah. that Twitch game. And um, 
we were tipped off um, about it by somebody who worked on the grounds. Couldn't figure it out. You know, heard about our show. And I got Homeland Security together. I got the sheriffs together. This, that, none of them knew a darn thing about it. Imagine that. None of them, Ted, knew a thing about it. That's because they're afraid to make a decision. Um, you know, it just makes you sick, you know. If there were an attack on this country, it would be different. People would come together. But do we want to wait for that to be um, engaged? And, you know, I think this is where you got to get involved with your town halls, with your, your election process. Uh, and it starts with us, we the people. And, you know, you can't wait for government to do it because government is the one that's really ruining what's going on in this country. And you, you look at the assault on the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, all the amendments, really. When you look at January 6th and these people aren't getting a speedy trial and they're being held without cause. And, um, you know, it's unconscionable what this government has done. And, you know, I'm referring back to that book of James Madison when, um, uh, you know, when they're forming the Constitution. And I'm in a section now where it's right after that. And they were talking about Alexander Hamilton wanted to form a national bank. Madison, it's not said it's not legal according to the Constitution, because if you allow the federal government to say, I think we need a, a national bank, what can what will make them stop at saying, I think we need to nationalize um, the, uh, I forget the name, the India Tea um, uh, Shipping Company. Um, and so he, he foretold about what the federal government would start doing, and now they're doing it, you know, um, with the different things that they're taking over. And um, again, if you go back to the founders, they were so smart, divine inspiration. But he forewarned of this and said how we have to keep checks and restraints on the federal government, because if not, they are going to become the ones that are telling the people what to do instead of we, the people, uh, running the, go- the government. And we've dropped the ball on it. We've allowed that to happen through the, the erosion of our education system and you know, morality and values in this country. And I'm sorry, gets, I'm off on a rant today. Well, what gets me is, um, you know, I endorse all that, but um, you wonder what crack under what door a which bureaucrat who wasn't elected, who has got lifelong job security. I know one personally, by the way, a good friend of mine, retired from the, from the Pentagon way back in there somewhere shuffling papers for the Navy, came up with the phrase strategic ambiguity. <laughs> you, you wonder where in the hell did it come from? You know, have you, have you ever heard it discussed with the leaders publicly, with the people? Oh, I have. I've sat down with the different agencies. and But I mean, know, out so- to us, out to us, the voters. Oh, no, 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 never, never. I mean, never. you can read research articles and you can go back to the Nixon Kissinger doctrine and the Reagan on on how they came up with it. And it's just, it, it was like you said, it's non-committal. You know, it's just like they keep you guessing. It was the whole idea. And at one point, that was probably okay to do, but we're in a different world and you've got people that are do, wanting to do us harm, wanting to bring us down and that we won't be the, the, the superpower. And it's not about power. It's just about our lot in life. Influence. 
Well, it's influence, but it's the quality of life that we have here in America that yeah, comes yeah, from yeah. what we did. And it's, you know, you can be the biggest, richest guy on the block, but you don't have to act like it. And, you know, I, I talked about um, the way that America threw around their financial sanctions and trade sanctions on foreign policy. Well, we're going to we're going to sanction Putin and his oligarchs. We're going to sanction the Ayatollah and all of his generals. They were throwing these sanctions around the world like they're just uh, sanction here, sanction there. We're going to sanction everywhere. And at some points, those sanctions become ineffective because they're not enforced. And that's why you get a BRICS alternative to the U.S. dollar, the Russia or Brazil, Russia, Iran, China, Saudi Arabia. I think France is in it. Uh, all these countries are going to it because we can't sanction that, you know. So people say we're tired of the Americans throwing their weight around and sanctioning everything. And then the other thing is you look at our debt. Our debt has he has devalued our dollar to where it's become too costly to do business in U.S. dollars. We're in a mess. We're in a real mess. I know I've talked too long and you're at the bottom of the hour. Oh, yeah. The people over here are already saying they love it when you rant. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I just want to get people in a headlock and knock them in the head. That's right. We're back uh, with the uh, Ward's Weather Report. Ward's Weather. Brought to you by Chevron and Wendell Lewis Lewis Oil. We'll be right back. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. A warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. 
Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, welcome back to Ward's Weather, brought to you by Lewis Oil. Wendell Lewis Chevron Gas Fossil Fuel. Buy your fossil fuel at Chevron, Lewis Oil. Anything else you need done there? Well, we survived a pretty big windstorm, rain dumper yesterday. We'll be kind of pleasantly mild today, 40 right now, up to uh, maybe high 60s, low 70. But uh, we've got another cold snap coming big time later this weekend. Well, what would winter be? We're almost out of January. So February generally is our last shot here in the piney woods of north central Florida at a real thing called winter, which anywhere else would probably be called a mild winter. But it's our winter and we got it and we'll stick to it. Uh, The important thing is we got to haul hay then and feed because grass stops growing and grass grows at night. It doesn't grow in the daytime. And the temperature at night is what dictates the growing of the grass. Well, we've got Ted back with us. We've both heated our caliber coffee. And we're right. encouraging you to use caliber coffee uh, or at least Good your coffee. coffee. Um, they also sell ammunition, but we have Shoot GTR, our local range, but they have no problem either with caliber coffee selling ammunition. But the big deal is buy the coffee. We have a cup every day going on the show. Well, we want to have a discussion with you now, uh, our listeners and viewers, that Ted and I had before we went on the show. And Ted had sent me a draft of a column he's sending for a publication in Taiwan about the relationships we've been talking about, China and Taiwan. And being the professor that I am, I read through it and uh, went to a place that I thought, wow, did he mean to say this? Because it was, I didn't know at the time, an example of strategic ambiguity. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> and I, I, so before we went on the air, I said, Ted, maybe you should take one of these words out. And I'll read the sentence to you and then tell you what I learned from his reply and then let, of course, Ted give you his take on what he learned about my concern, uh, which he'd already anticipated. The sentence reads, and what he's talking about is uh, creating a veil of protection around Taiwan and making sure that China understands takeover of Taiwan is off limits. And Ted says this can be accomplished by United States government considering reinstating 
full diplomatic relations with Taiwan. I'm going to cut the sentence over, off there. And I thought, I looked at it and I said, what do you mean considering? Don't you just mean reinstating? Don't you want the United States government? I mean, why are you beating around the bush here? What, what, don't you just want the United States government to go ahead and say, hey, China, we're going to reinstate full diplomatic relations. And the reply I got, you know, I'm always trying to learn. Taught me a lot. But I can't say that I endorse what I learned. I can't even say right. that Ted does. So, Ted, take it up from there. But I thought it was really no. interesting. He and I, was very astute. I can see why you were a professor because that was that was a word I played around with because I had in there in the original one to it's time to reinstate full diplomatic relationships. But by coming out saying something brash like that, number one, China would be ap- ap- apoplectic uh, because they they just cannot tolerate anything with the free world dealing with Taiwan. Look at what they did when Pelosi and McCarthy met where Pelosi went to China, uh, Taiwan, Pelosi, uh, McCarthy met President Tsai in China or in uh, California. And we have met with President Tsai in the United States multiple times. And, um, you know, uh, some of the uh, um, Baltic countries met with President Tsai in Taiwan and China just, they go absolutely crazy with anybody recognizing Taiwan and not going through China to go to Taiwan. And um, so what I'm trying to do is get these other nations to follow these six points here. And I put that last point, last one, because that's the most egregious to China. And if I were to say we need to reinstate full diplomatic relationships, which is I, I feel that that's what we should do as, as a nation, but I'm trying to get a collection of nations to come in and say, you know what, we're going to reconsider uh, reinstating full diplomatic relationships with Taiwan. Um, that was there before the Nixon and Carter administration. And um, by putting in the word considering, now it gives thought to people saying, you know what, I think we might consider doing that too. And I think if the, if, uh, the EU, Germany, all these other countries – uh, the Asian countries say, you know, we're going to reconsider reinstating Taiwan nation status to Taiwan if China doesn't back off of their uh, um, uh, aggression towards taking them over. And the whole thing is to put economic pressure on China and let them know of the, um, the retribution, not the retribution, but the blowback they'll get if they move on Taiwan to take over a free democratic I call them a nation. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been very clear about that my whole time I was in Congress. And uh, again, China, I mean, they came to our office and they were very displeased with me and uh, threatened, threatened through my um, uh, foreign committee staff to tell me to back off on my rhetoric on Taiwan. I told them it's not rhetoric. <laughs> um and so that's why I put that in there. And it is, that's a, that's a great example of strategic ambiguity. You know, you run that back again. say what you mean. <laughs> you run that back again. So the people hear it, who came to your office as a, who came to the office of a United well, States? Well, we, we had a meeting set with Taiwan. I was in the district and um, 
It was when I took over the Asia Pacific Subcommittee in the 115th Congress. Uh, my office called me and said, China, found, China knows I'm having a meeting with Taiwan. They want me to cancel it. I told them basically to mind their own dang business and I'm having a meeting with whoever I want to. And they, that's when they spammed Carolyn with 1,500 emails, my son. And uh, I got some. China, China did. China did. And, you know, I turned that into Mike Pompeo at the State Department and the FBI. And, and nothing came of that. Um, and then my... Now, would we do that to them? I'm sure we do at different levels. I mean, it's, it's the games people play. And that's just, you know, I'm more matter of fact. You know, if you do this, I will do this. Yeah. And um, I try to do that. And um, my my committee staff was at a reception and China was there, the China embassy, their people. And as the, as the reception was winding down, two people came up to my um, main people on my foreign affairs committee staff on the Asia Pacific subcommittee. And they said, listen, you need to tell your member to back off on the rhetoric on China and Taiwan or on Taiwan and leave Taiwan alone. It's our concern, not yours. And they threatened them kind of like that to where the staff called me up that night saying, Hey, these guys were real serious and said, you need to back off on that. And again, I turned that over to Pompeo at the time. And, uh, you know, we just let them know that this is happening. And uh, that's what China does. And they do it all over the world. You know, they've got their police stations here covert. No, not even covertly, overtly here in the United States and in Canada, all over the world. And they use it to intimidate their people. And, um, you know, it goes on daily around the world. Uh, and this is what irritates me so much. They do so many nefarious bad things, but yet we keep buying China-made stuff because we have stopped incentivizing. Um, we, have, we have put so many burdens and regulations and tax burdens on our corporations that they go to China where they can get away with a lot of this. Of course, China takes over their technology. And that's why China's the big supplier of so much in the in the uh, supply chain. Um, that's kind of really, where we've really screwed up as a nation, and we we've, we've not focused on the main things that made America stronger. And it's See, time point, point two uh, and three in your presentation, right? Really puts its finger on our vulnerability. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Point two said, decrease China's manufacturing output by working with allied and friend nations to incentivize corporations to relocate production and manufacturing of goods outside of China. ABC manufacturing anywhere but China. You know, I, I coined that. That's pretty cool. Isn't it? I like that. Here's the problem with these corporations, as you know. Uh-huh. Back when you were a little boy, <laughs> and I was an old man, <laughs> there was a congressional, and it's foggy in my mind, but I got the picture. Close enough. Hearing or whatever. To figure out which corporations were supporting Nixon who had an unpopular with the environmental people sure. position on fossil fuel. 
That's right. That's right. Um, I got that. I never forget the representative, and he was uh, maybe the CEO. I'm very, very much up there for, I don't know, Standard Oil, somebody who said to the Congress, uh, Congress, you have to understand something about a corporation. We don't owe our first allegiance to you. We owe our first allegiance to our stockholders. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'll never forget that conversation. And the reason these corporations are in China here we complain about slavery and how dare you even have a ghost of it. And in order to get those Nike or whatever gym shoes, we turn a blind eye to it in China where they're made. And right. I have a kind of joke about this uh, I may have shared with you. I had a friend with whom I used to play tennis. He was a very good player. He was a very smart man. He was a salesman. He retired, made a lot of money in selling, of all things, uh, athletic lighting for athletic fields. So the shoe that was popular then had a Nike swoosh on the back of it, on right. the heel, which is, by the way, the most popular thing that's ever been branded, I understand. Is it? Yeah, I mean, it's really successful. Very simple, you know. And anyway, what does he do, Ted? He won't buy from a, quote, shoe store a pair of Nike shoes with the swoosh that cost over 100, 150 bucks because he knows the same shoe is at Sam's or like 20 bucks. Yeah. Here's the story. So he shows up to play tennis with me. He's got a brand new pair of shoes on. I look down, it's got this swoosh. I said, hey, man, I didn't think you'd bite on that. And he said, well, I didn't. He said, I went and bought the shoe at Sam's, and I painted the swoosh on it. So everybody would think I had. You know, I had one more line, Ted. You know, I said, I said to him, I said, for God's sakes, don't go walking in the hood with those shoes on. You'll get killed for a pair of $20 shoes because the kids will think they're $150 shoes. That's right. But I think that is the, that, that story spoke so much, you know, to where we are. And yeah. I know in your point here, um, I, I just, I wish we could, how would we make it actually happen? Tell, shame, because uh, everything. I don't I know. Mean, I don't know how you're going to change it. You know, I did four speeches on this. I had probably five different ones on what China was doing. It was attacking China and talking about all these points. And that's where I came up with ABC manufacturing or manufacture the ABC method anywhere but China. Because... Yeah. If you want to, I don't want to dictate to China anything they do. In fact, I want to applaud the success they've had. I don't like how they got there because it's through 
uh, 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 thievery of uh, theft of uh, intellectual property. I mean, just all kinds of nefarious things. They've got spies in our uh, nations all over the world. They've got spies in our university and our corporations stealing stuff. And that is the Chinese way. They are paid to do that. They're expected to do that. And so we're coming to a point, uh, an inflection point, where there'll be a conflict. And we want to do everything we can to prevent that. So we can either have a kinetic war with China, and it'll be the results will be ugly. A lot of people will get killed. It'll forever change the world. It'll cost a lot of money. Or we can go after them economically. But we don't want to do it solely as the United States because it'd be like throwing sanctions again, and they become ineffective. You need to empower or implore the other free democracies. And that's why I wrote this piece that the liberal democracies in the world need to stand up for Taiwan because if Taiwan goes, so does the other democracies. Because it's not going to just stop with um, Taiwan, China taking over Taiwan, because their ultimate goal is to be the world power, uh, the world hegemon, as I talk about in there. And so how else can we affect them? We'll go after them economically by moving the manufacturing muscle out of China and moving it to other areas. And we're seeing that. I mean, we're seeing it, but it's not going fast enough. And then the other thing would be to stop buying stuff from China. You know, and I, I should put that in there as another point, and I didn't do that. But that was kind of um, what I was implying is, like to diversify the critical supply chain, such as rare earth minerals, pharmaceuticals to other countries. Get it out of China, you know. And if we were to break them economically or just put enough pressure on them economically, we're not dictating to them what they do. We're just making it painful if they continue to do these things. They can make the choice in there. And it would be the Communist Party coming down on Xi Jinping. It would be the people uprising China because they've already got uh, a terrible economic situation there. But there are communist countries, so they can... They don't care about the people. They care about the party. And you're talking about how do we get our corporations? Our corporations serve stockholders, and now they're serving stockholders with ideologies like climate change and ESG and wokeism. Um, we need to re-educate our, our, our upper management and the stockholders in these corporations. Yeah, you can support that, but you're supporting this ultimately that is hurting this country. Um, not just our country, but the liberty and freedoms that we've experienced. And, uh, you know, you've heard me talk a lot about the, the miracle of freedom, the seven tipping points that saved the world written by Chris Stewart. And um, when people understand how rare freedom is, they should be scared to death with what's going on with China, with Russia, with Iran, with North Korea, with what we're seeing in South America, that is they're t all teaming up against the United States. And, um, you know, things are going to change if we don't stand up and get America back on track. And that's why leadership and I, I get so passionate about this because those were the things that made me run in the first place. You know, I love this country as you do. And I know your listeners, they love this country. And I'm seeing it erode in front of me. And I see people, our representatives on TV talking about Lloyd Austin and, oh, Hunter Biden. I really don't care about that. I do care about it. And those things should be dealt with. But you should really focus on these other things and let some committees deal with these things and handle that stuff. Um, but I think the big problem is these people up in Washington, 
They've never run a business. They've never been accountable to having a payroll or anything like that. Even the representatives up there, you know, they're getting, I, I don't know what their MRA is now, which is their member reimbursement account. You get elected, they give, I think we, we were getting $1.2 million. I don't know if it was every year or every two years to run our account. I didn't have to go out and earn that money. That was money that came in that went to payroll and rent and all yeah. that stuff. And um, um, these people that go to Congress, um, the person that took my spot never held a job outside of what I did other than um, some uh, entry-level jobs. All of a sudden, she gets a, a 1.2 or not just her, but everybody that gets elected that has no business experience. They just get this free money, and they don't think about it. My staff was always coming after and, and wanted me to pay them more money. And I'm like, you guys need to get real. You know, go go back to your districts and see what the average income is. You know, they're making two times what people are making. And of course, they come back and say, well, you know, it's more expensive to live up here. It is. But you get every holiday off known demand. You get investment in your retirement. And um, we were tight. I mean, I, I was just cheap because I remember growing up and how you had to fight for everything. And these are the people we're electing. And I think we need a different mindset up there. I'm that's sorry. Very, that's very informative. The people don't normally get to hear that conversation. Uh, yeah. that's, that's a good one. That means AOC has got a big checkbook, right? AOC is clueless on how to make money. She knows she shows up there. She gets a $174,000 rate or, or a paycheck. And she says, it's not enough money where we, only the wealthy can live up here, you know? And, and so she gets 174,000. She's probably getting one point. They're probably getting 1.5 or $6 million around their office. And that's probably yearly, you know, and that pays for all your electronics computers. And then of course, every year they got to get a new computer. We did. Um, and then they got a raise, but they didn't vote on it because they get now a stipend for rent and for groceries and for travel. We got paid for, well, they, we got reimbursed for travel before, so that wasn't new. But they probably got a fifty to $60,000 bump in their income that nobody voted on. And so that takes that 174000 up to probably two thirty, two forty, And they want to raise. They want to raise on top of that. And I'm like, you guys don't deserve a raise. I, you know, I went up there, and I, I'd like to make more money because I was – I went backwards about $100,000 a year in income. But I'm like, you know what? Congress doesn't deserve a raise. <laughs> you know, yeah. the mess we're in, you know, who in your right mind think you deserve a raise because you've done such a great job? Yeah. Fire them. <laughs> wow. I just, On that note, we're going to have to pass along till our next wonderful are Wednesday. Are we out? We're out we're of time. out now. Uh, next wonderful Wednesday, we'll pick up here. Uh, great to see you. Uh, I'll look this paper over, but uh, we'll talk. Let's talk about it off the air. Feel free to make those direct corrections and uh, post it if you think it's worthy. Okay, okay, we'll do that. Thank you. All right, you guys who listen and watch us, have a great day. Warthog Command Center out. Take care. God bless. You.